Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. Never Ever Give Up Hope is a show about people who have done just that. No matter what came into their lives, they didn't give up. They didn't take no for an answer. And all of my guests have overcome and survived incredible circumstances. What this has done for them it has given them a passion to help others. And each of my guests, same thread. Because of what they have learned in their own lives, they want to be able to help other people going through similar situations. So I'm very pleased that each of my guests has this message coming from a different perspective. It's not the same one. We're not gearing in just on finances, for example, or illness or depression or some of the, you know, circumstances that we have to overcome. But each guest has their own answers. Something for everybody is what I'm trying to say. And I so appreciate not only my guests, of course, but also my listeners, because without you, we wouldn't have a show. So thank you for joining us today. And today I have a guest who has been here before. Her name is Kristen Creran. She is a relational expert with a master's in counseling. She's also the founder of Creran Mediation <laughs> Services. She educates the public by providing resources that can help people going through divorce, and she specializes in helping people adjust and lead happier lives. Now, the first time that Kristen was on. This is what we discussed, and we discussed at length uh, what she can do as a mediator to help people in choosing a, whether it's a mediator or a divorce attorney, and we talked a lot about divorce. She had to learn the hard way through her own life in dealing with these kind of situations. And now she had started a mediation service, which I gained so much knowledge. And I know my listeners did too. And I appreciate the feedback that we got from that. But today we're going to switch it up a bit. What we did talk about originally was how to come out from under the thumb of very controlling relationships. Now this can be from a parent, a lover, a husband, any uh, even a boss and she really helped the listeners see the thing in a different perspective the situation that they were in and to recognize these situations for what they were and I appreciate the input now her her first interview is going to be just above this one and so you'll be able to tap in and listen to that and get a better understanding of what she has to offer. Kristen if you could just recap a little bit about what I just said and where that is taking you to where you are now. 
yeah, in our original interview, we talked a lot about my family of origin and all of the things that I had to overcome being in a very highly controlled situation and my journey to being a therapist and a mediator. And I really like what you said in the beginning about how your the speakers that come on here have overcome so much, but we also want to give back to the community and um, help other people get through things and becoming a therapist or a mediator or really anybody in the helping profession is is a perfect example of that um so you know when when you go through something you you learn an awful lot and i'm hoping that Mm. other people can learn from from what we have to say here today and from our last interview so sometimes we are in a controlling situation without even realize that we're being controlled Do you have some triggers that you could maybe share of how we can become more aware of this? When when you ask that question, people are probably the first thought that they go to is probably like, how can I look at someone else that I'm in relation to and know that they're trying to control me? So you might be surprised by my answer and that look at yourself first. So what are behaviors or symptoms would be another word that you're exhibiting that can give you a clue to you you are in a controlling situation and um uh, behavior that could be considered like acting out would be a clue meaning that like on a subconscious level or maybe even a conscious level you're trying to fight for your right to choose so a good example of that would be a teenager in high school trying to differentiate from their parents which is something every teenager goes through but still that can be a symptom in young childhood and even in adulthood Uh, adults may find themselves having an affair or something like that as an attempt to control the only thing that they can in their life which may be their body or who they choose to have sex with another clue that you are in a controlling relationship (coughs) would be symptoms of anxiety and depression that may not make much sense to you. Now, you could attribute that to many things, but it can be um, a symptom of being controlled. Um, so, but I think that um, behaviors within yourself and, you know, trusting your gut on things. Uh, when people are in love relationships, they tend to um, make a lot of excuses when they're married or dating somebody who likes to be in control. So, you know, trust that first voice sometimes and um, be curious about it and, and just pay attention. And what does it mean to not be in control? So when you're not in control, that means that you're not being allowed to think or problem solve <laughs> or make choices. And um, and so this becomes a habit. I see this a lot with, with parents um, these days that are the helicopter parents uh, that uh, constantly have to be on top of their children, like white on rice, as I would say. So <laughs> there was there there was a mom 
um, at basketball practice the other day, and and I could ju- I could see mm. how controlling she is because I could watch her son looking back at her, oh my um, watching her watch mm-hmm, him, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then you know, and she would yell across the field and stuff like that. And so another very simple example, but my prediction for a kiddo like that is that they're going to grow up and and be accustomed to that kind of control in a relationship and seek it out so that they will be in that role that they've always been in since childhood, regardless of if it's comfortable or not. I want to just change focus here for a second, because as you were saying that, it reminded me of a funny story that I think the listeners and you will appreciate too. I was recently at a boxing match where my little grandson is taking, or not a match, but he's taking boxing, and they were running the course around the gymnasium, and they partner up with other kids. These are kids ranging from six years old, which he is, to 15. He was running alongside a 12-year-old who was his partner. It was a relay race. And my daughter, his mom, was yelling, run, run, <laughs> you know, which is, yeah. which is the typical, whether it's support <laughs> or, you know, like frustration. Yeah. And he shouted and the entire, and there had to be, you know, 150 people in there. And he shouted, I'm running slow because Jason never wins and I want to give him a chance. Oh, <laughs> so that's who, a funny story. Who was in control there, you know? I right, think it was right. the kid. He knew yeah. <laughs> he didn't care yeah. so much about winning as he wanted to, you know, help somebody else. So anyway, total yeah. side issue. But I, I just had that picture when you were well, sharing that. Well, it's really. It's not really a side issue. It's a perfect example of a child who is okay with using his own mind. He mm. used his own mind to think of. And to be creative enough to think that I want to help my friend. And my guess is, is that your daughter was like, okay, you know, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, we were um, bursting buttons there on the sidelines. Right. <laughs> so so th- that would be another symptom of um, being in a controlling situation that if you, if your creativity is stunted, if you're typically a creative person and you find yourself not being able to be creative, that could be an indicator that you're in a controlling situation because it just, it robs you of your creativity. Wow, that's excellent. I'm glad that we tur- you turned that around that way. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. When you are in a controlling relationship, I'm assuming that that affects every aspect of your life. How you make yes, decisions, how you think, how you respond. You address that a little bit. Yeah, so um, especially for people who have been in, con- in a controlling family or parental situation since childhood, it's much, much harder for them to recognize. Maybe they haven't even thought about it before. Whereas adults who grew up in a a healthy family. Um, they were allowed to think, encouraged to make mistakes, and encouraged to experience failure and learn from that. They'll more easily turn and say, okay, look, you know, I'm not dealing with this. Um, I am an individual. So, um, but those those folks that grew up in these situations um, control from childhood is going to affect who you partner with in a romantic relationship. I don't care if you're gay, straight, 
or or whatever. You're going to place yourself back into that role that you're accustomed with, accustomed to, and um, and so you're you're going to pick a partner that reflects your your childhood, and then and then it just goes from there. How you make decisions as an adult, how you how you pay bills, or or how you don't make decisions or you refuse to make decisions because you don't know how um, and how you respond. There's just so many variables and so many differences. It's um, if you are a client, I could, I could point things out to you, but um, it's just important to understand that control will affect you systemically um, and, and keep you from living a, a really full life. If someone else is, at the wheel. Do you have people that really don't care? You know, that they are, they know they're being controlled. They maybe feel comfortable in that. Or do you think that everybody really does care and does not want to be in those kind of circumstances, but doesn't feel they have the strength or the stamina to get out of that? I think that I have never met anybody that doesn't care, but I have certainly met people that do not have the strength or stamina to get out of it. So at that point, we're talking about how do we do self-care and how do we manage boundaries and things like that so that you can live with it if you don't want to change it. Yeah. And, and that's a really, those, those people are really stuck. Maybe they've been married for 30 years and they're just, they're just not going to get a divorce. Or maybe this is a parental situation and mm-hmm. they, and they want to have a relationship with their parents as an adult. Um, but the parents make it really difficult. So these, these kinds of relationships are, are hard to just walk away from. And, and so everybody cares they either don't know what to do don't have the stamina okay. or, or just okay. don't know so what are the steps the first step and probably the hardest step is recognizing mm, yes recognizing it is really hard uh-huh yeah clients are very uncomfortable when they come to me um and and we start recognizing these things because after you recognize it you're you're going to want to change it and it it feels it feels very big and um and very hard to overcome but it is possible yeah do you have like some kind of program then uh where people can take baby steps i don't i don't have like an official program or anything but um like you said the first step is awareness and then maybe the next step is learning how to create boundaries within a relationship so, so so that you will have some space to make choices and that is going to require some training and communication and oftentimes some couples counseling um, so that everybody can be on board you know so um, learning how to speak up for yourself is going to be a big thing boundaries and 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 just talking which which sounds really easy when you just say it but when you're accustomed to just being quiet and supposedly going with the flow or being laid back or however you're trying to describe being controlled um it it can be difficult and uncomfortable at first so um and, and also understanding that it's okay not to be perfect and it's okay to experience failure. Most of the very successful people that you've interviewed here have experienced some sort of failure and I, I certainly know I have. And, and uh, you also said something when you first started talking about um, 
speaking up for yourself. Like everybody you've interviewed has a voice and and has spoken up for themselves. And so when you're in a controlling relationship and you start to speak up for yourself, the person you're in relation to isn't going to like that. And you can have whole family systems that don't yes, like it. Of they're not used to it. And fear is a big factor. Yeah. Do you fear have of the unknown? Yes. And do you have any any steps like side steps regarding how to come out from under that fear? Uh, talking about it, um, I believe in. There's this modality in therapy. It's called EMDR, and so that can help a lot with the fear and anxiety about speaking up for yourself and um, being able to make decisions and maybe some guilt that goes along with these kinds of changes. Oh, yes. And so, yeah, I would suggest looking for an EMDR therapist near you to, to get the ball rolling on that. And now tell us what you do as far as for anyone who may be interested in, do you do coaching or do you have an online course? What, is, what do you right. offer? So I do, um, I do more counseling now than I do mediation and I don't have any online courses yet. Or So basically right now what I'm offering people is to come into my office and, and do that EMDR therapy and talk about these things and really figure out where the, where the source of even allowing someone to take control over you comes from. So that sourcing is really, really important. Um, but eventually, I would like to do some online courses with, you know, parenting and things like that so you can break the cycle and, and um, so that we can start from grassroots and teach our children how to think for our, themselves so that they don't end up in the same situation. Let's talk a little bit about that. What do you suggest to parents that they teach their children? Teach them to be okay with failure. You know, um, something I I tell my kids all the time. I remember <laughs> driving in the car with my nine-year-old the other day, and and he was talking about something that somebody messed up, and and I said, you know, whose choice was that? And he was like, well, it was that person's choice to do that thing. And I was like, okay, what do you think that person learned from it? And then, you know, we talked about that. So having conversations yeah. about learning and failure and then allowing your child to fail and then learn from it because they are going to learn a lot more from that than if you control them and tell them this is how you need to do it because this is the right way. That's perfect. Perfect advice. Mm -hmm. If only we could heed it all the time, correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's super <laughs> we can't. Hard you get watch. there. Eventually, I would yeah. think it would become easier. Yeah, it does get easier. I mean, you got you really, I think parenting is just like, is somewhat in some ways like business planning. If you have a plan, if you have an outcome in mind and you create a plan, then you'll get there. So if you have an outcome in mind for your child, which is across the board to be independent and a productive human of society. So how can you implement intentional parenting in order to get there? And you know that you're not going to be there holding your child's hand when they're 25 at their first job. So developmentally in, in appropriate ways to kind of scaffold away that handholding is, is kind of what parents should be thinking about. What I was going to ask is when you do this, 
do you recommend that people do it by themselves or that they have their partner with them? And which is easier? Hmm. It depends on the situation. With married couples, I suggest that they come in for couples therapy. With people who just have a girlfriend or boyfriend, I think individual is okay because after they grow and learn, that relationship may be irrelevant to Mm. them according to their new development. So I do have a tendency to take marriage um, slightly more seriously, depending on you know, the relationships. I know a lot of people aren't getting married um, anymore. So, you know, there are some clients who they're not married, but they have kids together and they, they live right, together right. and been together forever. So for all intent purposes, they're married. But, it, you know, it just really depends what their goals are and what they want. I think it would be very difficult for example, let's say teenagers and younger who are living mm-hmm. in a controlling situation and they really want to get out and they act that out, as you said that, you know, in, mm-hmm. in, in negative ways. Yep. <laughs> There's really nothing that anyone can do, is there, until that child gets to the place where he can come in and talk to someone like you. Mm-hmm. So they have possible years built up in being in a controlled situation what a tough place to be and and then you must see this and you just you know wish there was something that you could do so essentially what I'm asking is if we see this happening in someone else's home and we all do as individuals as parents we see kids who are being controlled almost to the point it can be even a form of abuse. Yeah. What steps, if any, can we do that are that, that won't look like we're intruding or mm-hmm. trying to take control of the situation ourselves or mm-hmm. can you give us any advice? Because I think we run I do anyway, see this a lot. And you mm-hmm. just wish yeah. that there was something that you could do. But is there Yeah, you know, if you're in someone's home and you're not their therapist. It, it's likely that you're their friend or their family member. So finding tactful, supportive approach is mm-hmm. always good. I have suggested to um, friends and family in situations like this to ask questions. Um, like, I, I can, I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. Like, is this, is such and such thing working for you? Just okay. really right back to the, what we're talking about is allowing people to think for themselves rather than judging them and right, telling them what right. to do. So questions are a fantastic way to get people to think for themselves critically and decide on their own. Is this working? What kind of outcomes am I creating by doing this or whatever? So, I mean, you can even sit down and write a few questions down that you feel will be appropriate um, with your friend or family member who is parenting like that. So um, sometimes a statement works. I I have a girlfriend that calls me a lot who um, she only has one child. So everything is a big deal and really (laughs) important. And, and, you know, I just kind of give her reminders and support that, you know, your, your child's going to develop at a certain rate and it's okay. And so normalizing statements are fine too. Like, uh, especially with parents of teenagers, like my teenager's doing this and they're grounded and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, 
that's that's normal behavior of a teenager. You know, it's it's okay. Most parents are going through this, and so maybe that can can be curative for some of those controlling urges. That's really good because it can be a you can lose friendships over that. <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, you can. <laughs> when you are seeing this happen with a friend of yours who may be in a situation where they are being controlled, whether it's by a partner or someone in business or any number of things, and you see that. What are some tactful ways that we can say, hey, do you have any suggestions? Yeah, Yeah, tact is key, that's for sure. It's a fine line because, like you said about losing friendships, um, trying to not be too intrusive, getting them to think for themselves is going to be important. And uh, it's right back to questions. And and sometimes you have to let your friends or loved one kind of sit in their journey for a while and just, you know, validate their feelings. You know, yeah, that, that sounds really, really difficult. And, and maybe planting some of the small seeds of it sounds like you're feeling like you don't have a lot of control right now, um, which is t- sounds total therapisty. <laughs> but um, it validating someone's feelings is really effective way to make them feel heard, but also to kind of turn that light bulb on and go, "Huh, yeah, I really do kind of yes. feel controlled right now." So finding a way for them to look at their own situation, which is what you said way in mm-hmm. the beginning. Yep, and to look yeah. at themselves, and it may hurt. So- yeah, and so the idea here is to not to not combat control with more control, mm-hmm. and to always remember that, like what I told my little guy Aiden in the car, whose choice is it ultimately? Well, it's that other person's choice. That's the answer. Yep. So ultimately, even if you do have someone controlling in your life, and and you you ultimately do have choices. On that note, why don't you sum up? So basically what we talked about is being in controlling situations and how to recognize it and how to get out of it and what kind of what kind of struggles you're going to go through as you transition from letting someone else control you to controlling yourself and how that connects to parenting. And I encourage everybody to always remember that to communicate with people in ways that are empathetic and thought-provoking to promote thinking, you know, to promote that critical thinking and to let people, other people be responsible for themselves um, because they are ultimately the ones that have to lay their heads down on their own pillow at night and uh, don't be afraid of failure for yourself. Mm -hmm. The more mistakes you make, the more you learn, the more questions you ask, the more connections you make, the more successful you'll be. And I think you want to add to that you don't want to beat yourself up because we all we all grow at our own pace. Yeah, the I, I've been living by the 80-20 rule. So 80% is now perfect enough in my life and 20% is left for error, procrastination, <laughs> or whatever else. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a good plan. Uh-huh. Excellent. Well, thank you, Kristen. I think that you certainly challenged us again. And how can people get in touch with you? Like if they go to your website, can they email you or do you have a place for them to ask questions or how do they connect with you? Right. So um, I have um, 
a website and it's at begintalking.com and there's a blog on there. So I'll put the link to this and the blog post and everything and people can leave comments there on your website. Um, you can reach me by email and telephone from my website as well. Okay. And okay. there's there's lots of reading on there about EMDR and um, the rest of the work that I do too and, and some fun pictures of my therapy dog, Piper. She is so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> what kind of dog is she? She's a border collie. Okay. She's she has anxiety herself, so she's kind of quirky, <laughs> but she's she she's great in session and and she loves when kids come in cuz she likes to taste them. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think the bottom line is we all are looking for help in different areas in our lives, and this is certainly a huge area. We want to feel in control. We don't want to feel controlled. But yet we don't want, and we don't want to control. <laughs> so there's right. lot, there's yeah. lots of balances that we need to mm-hmm. to look at, and I think that this will challenge us in asking questions first. And this is one of the things that I'm taking away from this is ask questions not only of yourself but of others too. And when yeah. we ask questions, it's amazing what we will learn. Approach yourself and others with curiosity. Excellent. Approach yourself and others with curiosity. Okay, on that note, I thank you. And I appreciate you coming back again and sharing what's happened in your life since the last time we talked. I appreciate how you've taken this um, into a different direction and what you are, are teaching now. Mediation in marriage is what we talked about the last time. And even that we could apply uh, which is going to be on, on the first um, your first interview, which is going to be here as well. But even the things we learn from that, you can apply to mediating in your own life. And so this is just like mm-hmm. taking it a step further. And I appreciate yeah. what you shared. And You're exactly right. And on that, we will say mm-hmm. goodbye and thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.